Hello, I'm Annalisa Mackey, CEO of PADS Program LLC, publishers of the award-winning PADS Social Emotional Learning Curriculum for Preschool to Grade 5, and the author of the Evidence-Informed Emozi SEL Program for 6th through Grade 12, and the co-author of the upcoming book, Social Emotional Classroom, A New Way to Nurture Students and Understand the Brain. Welcome to this episode of Social Emotional Us, a podcast for educators, parents, and anyone interested in improving the lives of children through social-emotional learning. In this episode, we'll talk about the positive impacts of play in education and how play isn't something that's limited to early childhood. Today, I'm joined by Jed Derryberry and Julie Jones, educators, speakers, playful people, and co-authors of The Playful Classroom. It's available on Amazon and The Playful Life, their second book, which is available for pre-order. We'll be sure to put the links on our podcast page. Welcome, Jed and Julie. Thanks so much for joining us today. Maybe just tell us a little bit about yourselves and what your style of play is. We would love to do that. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Julie, why don't you tell them who you are first? Oh, okay. I'm Julie Jones. I am the Director of Teacher Education at Converse University. And because it's a small, private, liberal arts institution, I also wear the hat of Director of Student Teaching and Director of Early Childhood, Director of Elementary Programs, which really just gives me the chance to go out and see teachers in action and our pre-service teachers who are growing into who they'll be as educators. Yeah, is awesome. that enough? Awesome. That's, that's good. Is and, that good? And okay. Yeah, that's really good. You did good, Julie. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, so I am Jed Derryberry. I am an educator here in South Carolina. I, I like to call myself, I guess, a freelance educator because I'm an adjunct professor for several universities across the state. And when I'm not doing my um, uh, course teaching, I am consulting with schools and districts and conferences around the country to help them bring more play into their learning spaces. And hopefully when the Playful Live comes out, I'll be broadening that to speak to businesses, groups of groups of groups of people, regardless of the profession, to help them have a more playful life. And we do realize there might be some noise behind us here, but this is our playful spot. This is our coffee shop we're in right now. So if the editors aren't able to get it out and the listeners hear this, know that this is part of our playful moment. We are bringing to you live from our experience here. Because, from Spartanburg. Because the, the coffee shop is a place where we play. We know a lot of the people here. We laugh here. We've cried here a few times. But this is just our spot. Well, I wanted to start off the podcast. Thank you very much, you guys, for the introductions. First, I wanted to say I don't think that y'all is as utilized as it should be. Y'all the word? Yes. <laughs> Did, have I we already a, said it? Did we drop a I y'all? Think it's, yeah, I think it's an underutilized word. I like to use it as much as I possibly can. And I am not from the South. So Aww. I do believe that you are correct in your book. You talk a lot about all y'all. I love the all y'all, which is Awesome. Yes. Well, a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people like to say that that is grammatically incorrect, but you don't live here and you don't really speak the language if you say that, because all y'all is definitely correct mm-hmm. language Accurate. where we speak. And, um, yeah, Lisa, we should play a game. So every time you say y'all in this podcast, I think like you should get a point. Oh, yes. And we should keep score. Keep tally. Okay. Keep somebody keep score. Somebody keep score out there. We'll see if Annalisa can <laughs> drop more y'all than we do. Oh my gosh, the challenge, the, yes. the gauntlet has been thrown Believe down. Yes, okay. I love it. Okay, okay, here we go. She's thinking so, of a sentence with y'all. Yeah, I am. <laughs> so I actually, I had a chance to get a sneak peek at your book. And what I loved about it was 
you know, all of the things that you talk about in terms of uh, having more fun with your students, having more fun in your own life, thinking about things in terms of relationship, how kids learn through play, on and on. It really spoke to me because I think a lot of what you're talking about is very connected, strongly connected to social emotional learning. I would think you probably would also agree, would you? Yes. Absolutely, yes. we would agree. And, and you know, it's vital to the, the work of childhood, but it's vital to the work of middle childhood and it's uh, vital to the teen years and well on up into our adult years. Um, there's a reason that doctors tell elderly patients to do crosswords and Sudoku because it keeps that, that playing keeps the brain active. And it's just vital to every stage of human development as far as we can see in the research. Stuart Brown, the leading play researcher here in America, has just done incredible work to show how that power of play impacts us. And we've tried to capitalize on that in the learning sphere of education. And now we're just trying to follow in his footsteps to help people beyond education see how we need more play in our lives every single day. So that leads me to a question I was, as I was, when I was reading your book, what I was thinking about was this. What would you, for schools, and I know that there's a lot of schools today that aren't, don't require recess. They don't give a lot of time for just downtime for kids. And so what would you say are the top benefits uh, for play in school and in education? Like, make your argument. Why? Why should we? Why should we keep, have more of this? Well, personally, I just want to know why not. I yeah, mean, that, that's I my. That's it. the real question: is why not? And the whole right. time you were talking, Jed was pointing at me. He's like, "Go, go! It's you." It's you. <laughs> well, because I don't want to hog this. I don't want to hog oh, the talking. Oh, the, the you talking. Know how, you know how we love do. It. I'm like, I, I love it. So no, the pushback I think that we as educators get about play is that. The definition of play is misunderstood, and you can have play as a behavior. You can have play as a mindset, being playful, right? And educators who want to increase engagement in their classrooms, when they get the playful classroom and they start reading, it's almost like they feel, this is what, what we've received in feedback from them, they feel this validation and encouragement because the neuroscience that's included in the text really supports what play is doing physically, emotionally, socially, all those pieces, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we could, we could talk about neuroscience all day, but one of the nuggets I think that is really powerful for administrators to see is when you look at classrooms and we teach math for 30 minutes and then we move to reading for you know an hour and then for whatever um, defined minimum program the school is making um, them have for these subjects. When you teach in silos like that, that's not effective and it's not, well, what would you say, beneficial for the outcomes that we want, right, as, mm -hmm. as growing right. citizens? So there's this piece called the integrated paradigm where we used to think of cognition and emotions and movement as separate pieces. Like we, yes, you think right now because we're in math, so we're thinking and we're sitting down in our desks and we're not moving. And then it's time to move. Let's go to PE, walk straight in the hallway, be very quiet, right? Those kinds of things. But what really happens in our brain is that it's an integrated paradigm. We're not working in silos. And when we have movement and we have emotional energy connected to that thinking, right, and curiosity, you are storing those ideas in such a way in our brains. You're making those neural connections and strengthening them so that they can not only be retrieved later, but 
put to good use, right? So students really know when they're given a problem, they retrieve it quickly and they're able to apply those ideas. I don't know if that answers your question. I forget what the question was. Do you remember the question? Why play? Why play? Because I said, oh. why not? I want to explain why I said, why not? Because when you look at the data and when you look at the neuroscience, the only question is why not? Because as educators, we're, we are told from day one to look at the data, to analyze the data, to take action based on the data. But unfortunately, the only data we are often allowed to look at is test data because that's where money is attached. And if you study the playful data, study the playful neuroscience, the only question is why not as an educator? Because if the scores do matter and the holistic um, approach of the, of the whole child matters, then play has to be at the core of that, both as a behavior and as a mindset. And like Julie said, I think it's important to note that recess is absolutely vital to school, but there yeah. also needs, it's, it's vital. Like any school, I, I'll, I'll go on record here, any school that is taking away recess from students, that's educational neglect, and they should be held accountable, period. If it's legislators that are doing that, they should be voted out of office. If it's principals and administrators that are doing that, they should be replaced. It's educational neglect to expect a child of any age to sit in a classroom all day long in a learning-focused, uh, direct teaching. Sterile. Yeah, it's just, it's not healthy for the child. There's some beautiful work that's been done in Finland and that's been studied. I don't know if you've read about the educational approaches there, but we have a friend, uh, Dr. Debbie Ray from Texas Christian University who went to Finland and she saw that what they were doing there in their schools. And basically it's, um, they have 45 minutes of learning and then the children go outside for 15 minutes to deep, you know, let their, their brains rest or let their brains be active in a different way, right? It's totally free play. That is not adult directed play. They open the doors, the children go play. They come back in, another 45 minutes of learning, and then another 15. So for every hour, there's 15 minutes of free play involved. So Debbie Ray brought that back to Texas Christian, and they started to do some research implementing that model. And the gains that they found were amazing. But she said something that was just brilliant, and I love to, to mention this, that some of the pushback that they got was because they didn't give enough time for those yeah, test scores to really start to see changes, even though they did start to see gains. Her response was, there are some benefits of play that are simply not quantifiable. Quantifiable, yeah. So when I'm thinking about some of the things that you're talking about, I think two things off the top of my head. The first being that I think that today kids have less and less unstructured time. And in fact, to, to, the, to the point that, you know, today, because we are so concerned about our children, that our kids are monitored almost 24-7. And I recall when I was a kid, there was long periods of time I didn't have someone watching over me. You know, and that's good and bad. You know, sometimes we got into trouble, but there was lots of things that we did that were were great. So, you know, when we're constantly overscheduling our children, when they don't have time to just kind of relax and decompress and do their own thing, I think that there's a lot that kids learn in terms of social and emotional skills when they're on their own trying to figure some stuff out 
where we don't need to be standing over top of them, sort of telling them what to do. Because if we're telling them, they're not thinking about it for themselves. They're not learning it for themselves. They're not trying to figure it out for themselves. So, it's, and the, the play kind of gives you that opportunity to, to do that. Exactly, it does. And what I wanted to say too is you said that we learn things that we wouldn't normally learn otherwise. And, and I promise you this really happened. When I was about eight years old, I took my mom's hairdryer apart. And I, really? Yes, I did. And I was saving this. The people who are behind the scenes of the show are laughing right now because we had quite a conversation about hair dryers <laughs> before we started recording. And I hate that y'all missed that. Yes, but we did. When I was about eight years old, I took apart my mom's hair dryer because I saw one day in the, when I was in the bathroom, I saw that there were these little tiny holes in the handle. And I got mm-hmm. a flashlight and I shined it down in the little tiny hole and I saw that there was a screw in there. So then I got a little tiny screwdriver out of my stepdad's toolbox. I have never heard this story. Well, we've never had lengthy conversations about hair dryers until today. Anyway, I stuck my I stuck my the screwdriver down in there, and I realized you can take this thing apart, right? And when I opened it up, there was this little like motherboard of circuits in there, and there was all these little fun wires in there, and I t- I took the whole thing apart. And you know what else I did at eight years old? Mm-hmm. I put it back together. I was just going to say, did you put it back together? I put it back together because I was. Did because Lynn I was, find out that you did No, this? to yeah. this day she it doesn't wor- So it did work. Yeah, it worked. Oh, it worked. You need I'm to saying, include I put it. Back I'm sorry, Mama. Apology. If there's she there's to no this need podcast. to apologize because <laughs> what Mama don't know won't hurt her, right? <laughs> but all, I'm 44 years old. So that was what, thir- 36 years ago? But yeah, I, I put it back together. The point I was trying to say is that at eight years old, I figured out how to deconstruct and reconstruct that little, that hair dryer. All Big, led by? My inquiry. Yep, curiosity. My curiosity. Yep. There was a lot of spontaneity in there because I was like, hmm, what can I do there? And you know what? That started, you know what, for like a year or two. <laughs> true story. I took like everything apart. I took my Nintendo apart. Gee. That was risky behavior right there. I, I, that was very risky. <laughs> But, but I did it. And I think about kids today, that kind of stuff, you know, it cannot be measured on a test. But you know what it did for me, even at that time, it gave me this little boost of confidence to know that I can do things, that I can try new things. And, you know, in regards to SEL and, and, and that area of learning, if I have a student who is stronger, if I had to choose between a, a stronger academic student and a stronger social emotional student, I'm choosing the social emotional student every single time. We want both of them. Obviously, we do. And I think play leads to a strong academic student as well as a strong social emotional student. Right. But, but when we talk about measuring things, you know, I'm going to always look for that social emotional sound student over the one who's super smart every time. Well, and there's <laughs> so when you talk about things that you learn from play and how it connects to social emotional learning, uh, Dan Pink is is a journalist who's known yeah. for a lot mm-hmm. of work in this it, you know, he's a book called Drive. Yep. But one of his earlier works is, oh, it has an orange cover. It's why right brain thinkers will rule the world. Yeah, that's it. Is that the, yep. but there's a, there's a title. That's the subtitle. I'm going to look it up. Look it up and see. I'm okay. So anyway, in that text, when he talks about autonomy, mastery, and purpose, and the being the three things, he discusses how when we, I mean, so Jed and I are both in our mid forties. The book is called A Whole New Mind. Mind. A Whole New Mind. Yep. That's it. Okay. So anyway, when we were coming, when we were growing up, if we wanted to go somewhere, there was a paper map, right? 
And then now, then you switched to MapQuest where you were able to connect to the internet and download a map and get the driving directions. And then we started to have GPS on our devices. And now, <laughs> heavens, it'll show on my screen in my car and I don't even have to remember how to get from place to place. But those were created not because students in school knew how to bubble in multiple choice or fill in the blank. It's because students were curious and taking a risk. And these kinds of companies, car lift app, what, Uber, thank you. What is it called? What is it called? There's a car, um, a car comes to pick you up. Yeah. Yes, those. But that, that's not, I mean, it, it's a taxi. But yeah. the, those kinds of ideas we need to instill in our students this idea of risk-taking and the power of mistakes for growing and encouraging those ideas is if we don't, there's no way in 1986 we could have imagined the world that we're living in now, yeah, right? Absolutely. Our teachers had no idea they were preparing us in our little minds for 2022. So we are preparing our fourth graders and fifth graders and high school seniors and college students for a world that we can't even fathom. And that only comes with the risk-taking. If you just think about, like I think about my mom and my mom is 81, she's coming to visit me tonight. I'm going Aww. to pick her up from the, air, from the airport. And I think about, you know, the changes that the world has gone through just in her 81 years. And, you know, that kind of makes me feel a little more humble when she's asking me how to use her phone or how to look something up uh, or how you print something, you know, from your, you know, and not to get so frustrated because it's so easy for us today, well, I maybe, you know, it's easier for us, right? right? Mm -hmm. But for her, she didn't grow up doing any of this. So, you know, it's been only in the last, say, 25 years or so that we've really had even cell phones that were, you know, used so regularly. So, things are, you're right, like the world is changing and we we have to encourage our students to think in a way that creativity, to think about how to solve problems in a new way. Right. And that ability as a child and a a child of of in their 40s, right? Any of us to think creatively is being open to taking risks and you cannot be open to taking risks if you don't play regularly or if you don't have that strong sense of self and acceptance in your peer group and Mm -hmm. all of that is related to SEM. Absolutely. I I don't want to, you know, take over the direction of, of your podcast here, but it, as y'all are talking, here goes the car. no, no, it's, no, no, I'm not. I'm, it's, I'm, t- I'm totally staying on topic, but I can hear maybe some of your audience members thinking, well, I can't just be going outside and cutting cartwheels, or I can't just color in a coloring book all the time. Oh, I love that well, you're, I know where you're that going. That is keep great going, keep because going. there are eight different play personalities in the world yes. and you need to find which one you identify with the most and go you therefore and play in that path. Go There's, ye yes, yes. It's my good church upbringing. just that came right is. out. I- the um, play type of explorer. It's mm-hmm. not just some, it's not just somebody who, it's, who travels. It's somebody that likes to take a walk around the neighborhood and wonder they're exploring with their mind. They're exploring with their hands. They're exploring with their feet. I like to read. I explore new worlds through the passages That's exploring, that I read. Reading, 
you director. Know, director. Some people don't think of planning a wedding or planning an event as a play, but if that really just fills your heart with joy. Or as we say, it really gets your tra- uh, cracked or trained. Tra- <laughs> cracked or trained. Did you hear tractor cranked? <laughs> I can no longer speak English, y'all. You really cranks your tractor. Cracked or trained. What did I just say? Don't edit that out because that's gold you need right to there. Keep that that gold. <laughs> okay. Yes. 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 So, so, so if doing those kinds of things, you think of it as, oh, it's an, I'm, oh, he's an accountant or she's an accountant. That person is very type A. That's their way of playing it gives them happiness. So I play very differently from Jed, who plays very differently from Drew, who is behind the counter at the coffee bar where we are, from any of you here. And and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think too, you know, to the point of what you're talking about with play and what that actually can look like, like when I'm trying to get my head around something, trying to understand something, you know, the more and more I do of it, I think the more I get stuck sometimes when oh, I'm why? struggling to get, get like, if it's a concept that I'm trying to get. So when I stop really trying to force it and I go and I do something else, I go talk with a friend, I go for a walk with my dog. I read a book, something totally different. All of a sudden it comes to me. You, you know, there's go, a, there's got it. There's, tell, her, tell her what that well, is. Well, let's Jen. just tell her together because it has, it's called the default, default mode, mode network. network. And it's a part of your brain that is super special. And like, yes. we're kind of geeking out a little bit because, well, I, me especially, because I'm going to tell you, I'm not the researcher neuroscientist. He is way of more the than he gives himself Julie credit. Is, Julie is that person in our, our partnership here. But since learning about the default mode network, that's the part of your brain that otherwise is, is just lay, lying there dormant, kind of working behind the scenes. Working in the, in the background, yeah. doing its thing. Yeah. That's why when you walk away from the thinking that you have the idea because your default mode network goes, aha. Mm-hmm. That's why Where it just suddenly comes to you, you know, that, that feeling. That's, yes. why you, that's why you have great ideas in the shower. Yep. Because your brain is not really thinking in there. It's it's on right. autopilot, if you And will. so many of our greatest authors, when we talk about classic works of literature, they talked about their writing routine and they would often write for a little while and then they go for a walk. Everyone that I've read mm-hmm. about, they always go for a walk and that is why. When, when Julie and I first started writing the very first book, The Playful Classroom, we would start our morning by walking several miles on our local rail trail. Mm-hmm. And we found that walking side by side was better for us than sitting at a table across from each other because then our ideas were, if we sat across from each other, the ideas seemed to combat each other. Whereas if we were side by side, side. we flowed. And so so again, that that leads into another thing that's a a key component on our book is getting lost in the flow. Um, Yes. And and that that also allows your positive psychology of, yeah. yeah. That allows your default mode network to- um, It takes a back seat. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying, you know, in terms of that, but because human beings were not really designed actually to sit and do and just sit and think. We're designed to be constantly moving and thinking and doing at the same time. And when we are forcing our children to sit and don't move and just stay in one small desk and for hour after hour after hour, you know, I think that counterintuitive to the type of beings that we are, 
And the other piece of it too is when you were talking about in Finland how they give you know kids 15 minutes every hour. It sort of gives a chance to kind of absorb what they were learning and maybe think about how what they learn maybe connects to something else. I would wonder how many aha moments the kids have when they get that time, that little bit of downtime to kind of just let their brains kind of let it simmer for a few minutes and think about what they did get. In yoga, we do that at the end of a class, right? You lay down in Shavasana mm-hmm. and you allow your My body to... <laughs> I think everybody's favorite pose. Right? <laughs> you allow your body to absorb the work that you just did, right? And isn't that sort of sort of what we're talking about here too, in some ways with play? It absolutely is that. And, I, and, and unfortunately, when I think about my 13 years teaching elementary school, the way that the curriculum was designed, the way the standards were stacked upon standards upon standards, we didn't have a lot of time to do that. So you have to, one of the things Julie and I talk a lot about is look for the nooks and crannies of your schedule and start there. Nobody listening to this, if you're a teacher or if you're somebody who just wants to have a playful life, you're not gonna be able to transform every part of your day, every part of your schedule overnight. So start looking for those nooks and crannies. A great place to start is your car ride, your commute. If you drive or take a bus, however you get to your work, that is time where you can play. You can play with music. You can play with an audio book. You can play with this podcast. If you're riding on a bus, read a book. I would love it if I was in a place where I could actually hold a book during my commute. That would be great. I mean, I listen to audio books, but that would be fantastic. When I travel, I take a train instead of a plane because it gives me time and or driving. Like we're about three hours drive from Atlanta. And instead of driving to Atlanta, I'd so much rather hop the Amtrak and read a book or do some work. Then drive yourself because you're... Exactly. And let's say your commute is very stressful. What a better time to have a moment of play while you're you're driving. You know, a safe moment of play. I'm not t- asking you to close your eyes. Yes, if daydream. you're listening to this podcast while driving, please keep, keep your, your eyes, eyes on, on the road. road. And um, your hands on the hands wheel. On the wheel. <laughs> when you're getting ready in the morning, find a way to inter- integrate some sort of playfulness to that moment. You know, you know what I do while I'm getting ready in the morning? Almost every single day, I listen to the Golden Girls in the background. I don't want to start my day with the news. He's a huge fan. That is a heavy thing to start your day with. Then your day is consuming mm-hmm. your thoughts of that. I start with the Golden Girls because they're funny. They remind me of my childhood. I don't have to really pay attention to them because I've seen it so many times. I know what's going on. I usually can quote it as it's happening. And it is a moment of play for me every single time that I listen to that while I get, get ready. Because I have Hulu. It streams from my phone, so I literally just sit it on the counter in my bathroom while I'm brushing my teeth, while I'm fixing my hair, using my hair dryer. (laughs) These are nuggets that we, our second book is coming out October of this year. So these are more playful life tidbits. I know your question was about classrooms and sitting still. So I feel like a lot of our answers are are vacillating back and forth just because... Well, they are, but it definitely, I know that educators listening to this will have aha moments where they think, oh, I've got five minutes in between this experience and lining up to go to lunch. How can I take that five minutes in that schedule and infuse a moment of play so that kids allow their default mode network to maybe do some work on that math that we were trying to tackle this morning? Yeah. 
True. I'm a, I, I don't I, want your listeners to think, though, that play is the opposite of work because the opposite of work, the opposite of play is depression. It's not, do you see what I'm saying? So play yes. and work are not opposites. And we try really very hard. It's more joy. And, it's more yes. of a right. bring, bring the joy to your life. So Absolutely. what brings you joy and happiness and enthusiasm? Right. So in the playful classroom, what we do is describe the difference between play as a behavior and play as a mindset. And the behavior is great. You know, you have free play at recess. You have free play in the classroom. But you can be playful in your instruction and you can be playful and allow for student curiosity and student ideas and bring flow into that instructional time Uh where you are playing, but you're playing within their own play personalities and still engaging with the content. So I don't want your listeners to think, oh, this is all about recess, because that is such the opposite of what we're trying to communicate here. No, absolutely not. I mean, I understand that. So let's say, you know, teacher has tried to bring that to their classroom. They are feeling like they're bringing more joy and trying to move past just an instructional rote sort of situation with worksheets and things like that. They're trying to bring in different activities where kids are more engaged. What would you recommend for teachers who have done some of that and then want to maybe approach their principal to try to bring it a little bit further into their school? Well, they need to get the playful classroom. (laughs) Buy the book. Buy the book. We also... Yes, we also have a course through Advancement Courses as the division of Wiley. So that answers that question thoroughly for them. And they, they do a project within that course where they take their instruction to the next level. But just to give you some ideas, um, do you want to talk about playful mindset and integrating that? Do you want to- I was going to add this too. They should also email us directly and or tweet us on Twitter. We, yeah. we are eager to help spread the word of this mm-hmm. and help come up with ideas that are specific to your situation. Like we could throw out a bunch of suggestions right now, but sometimes those might not fit specific needs of the listeners that may be having administrator pushback or administrators yes. who want more. Yes. We both also can do professional development for folks. If you want us to come and lead things with your staff, we're happy to do that. But in the here and now, you, you want a nugget. The book is the best place to start, but the second place to start is, I think, watching and listening listening to your kids, mm-hmm. watching and listening to the students, with, with the students, see what they need the most, and meet them there with play. And I, I want to say this, too. A lot of people will hear all this, and they'll think, oh, I have so much on my plate already. I can't put another thing on my plate. We hear that a lot. We hear that a lot. And we we don't want you to put anything else on the plate, but we want you to understand that play is the plate. It is the plate. And all those other things that you have to do should go on that playful plate. And that's the way you deliver it, whether it's a meeting after school, if it's a parent um, conference, if it's a tough email that you've got to send, figure out a way to be playful-ish with it. Sometimes if I have a difficult email to send, I'll make rhyming words on the side. They're not always nice rhyming words, but they make me laugh. (laughs) Anything to release the stress, Mm -hmm. to break the tension, to allow you a moment of brevity in the schedule, in the day, that is what you need the most. And I think right now it's needed more than ever when you consider the stress that teachers are under, kids are under, parents are under. I think you're right. You know, a little bit of a, a little bit of joy wouldn't, is necessary at this point. 
if you reflect back over almost three years now of COVID and its impact on, on the world, we all have lived through a traumatic event collectively. Even though we experienced it all very differently, we certainly are not all on the same boat. Some people were on a yacht while some were in a canoe. And some but, were paddling along yeah. in the water. It has been traumatic for all of us in some way. And we have got to start looking at ways to help heal and bring us through that. And we believe play is, is the way out, the way forward. There's a lot in the, the book that's coming out. We have a section on play as it is a powerful way to heal. Mm-hmm. And how that happens, we bring in um, ideas from play therapy. And we, the medical field has done a lot of work in playful yes. behaviors as healing behaviors. So those Absolutely. pieces are coming. Well, I'm excited to read your, your next book. I'm looking forward to that. I'd like to just sort of wrap up by saying, and I always ask the question, did I, was there anything that you, wow, is everybody okay over there? That was a big crash. (laughs) That was the espresso, I think, the pounding of the. You ask if there was anything we want people to know, if you're an educator or if you're just a regular person out there in the world, whoever's listening to this, we know it's tough. We've lived through the toughness. We live through it right now. There are things going on in both of our lives right now that are very heavy things that regular people deal with on a daily basis. But we know that play is what helps us heal and gets us through that. Play is what teaches us. Play is what helps us learn new things to help us combat the heaviness. And that applies to students in the youngest grades all the way up to the oldest and most dearest humans on the planet. So um, that's the biggest takeaway I want people to get from our work. Great. Okay. Well, I've been talking with Jed Derryberry and Julie Jones, co-authors and Playful People. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. It was so much fun. And I hope we'll have a chance to come maybe talk with you again about your next book. That would be phenomenal. That'd be great. Look forward to it. Thanks very much, guys. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you to our wonderful guests for this thought-provoking conversation. If our listeners would like to continue the conversation about this topic, please find us on Facebook under Paz Program. Feel free to ask questions on the podcast episode post. We'll answer them, and we may feature the answers in a future Facebook Live video. Please join us next time on Social Emotional Us as we continue to explore how SEL can benefit everyone at any age. 